A lot of this story of Moses takes place in Exodus, and that's where all of the messages and teachings you've heard for the last couple of months have come primarily from the book of Exodus. Now, the book of Exodus, the word Exodus means a departure or a going out. And so the whole story is Moses and God through Moses delivering the Israelites from bondage, from slavery, the departure and the going out from Egypt into this wilderness or this desert and the challenges of them becoming a people when they were not a people. They were a, a, a people in bondage and in slavery. And so it's primarily taking place in Exodus. Today, we're going to uh, turn the page and go into the book of Numbers. Now, the book of Numbers is named after basically what it is for. It was them, God, taking into account and the people of God taking into account and assessing the number of people that we have. So they wanted to know, like, how many people do we have here that was delivered from Egypt and are all the tribes represented? Who are the leaders of the tribes and who are the descendants of each tribe? So the first, like, 12 chapters of Numbers is a whole bunch of names and genealogies and, and lists. It's, you know, when you're doing the one-year Bible reading plan, that's the part you really love, right? Anyone reading the Bible and get to, like, you have daily Bible reading plans, and you get to, like, this part or Leviticus or something like that. And thank you, God. That's why I do the one-year Bible, okay? Because I get a little bit of the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm and Proverb every day for the days I'm stuck in Numbers chapter 3. And it's begot, 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 begot. So anyway, but it is important, like it was important to assess where they were for where they were going. And that's important for you to understand. They were assessing where they were so they can go where they were heading. So Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to pick up. Now, they are on the verge of the land of Canaan, the promised land. They are, listen, they are about to, they are moments, just miles away from stepping into what they always dreamed about, from from what they always imagined. They never, they never saw this land before. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, they, they saw this land, but they never, they only dreamed about it. They only heard stories about it. They only imagined it. And they are just moments away from stepping into what God has prepared for them. Now, here's what I believe God wants to do today. I believe there are many of you here today, listen to me. You are one thought away from you stepping into what God's planned for you. You're one thought away, just one thought. And, and, and I don't know what that thought is, but I've been praying for you all week that, that the Holy Spirit would bring some insight into, into your thinking and your thought life where maybe you have be believed some falsehood, believed some lies, some deceptions. And what's this one thought that, that is keeping you from stepping into what God has promised you? Amen, somebody. Are you with me, guys? Okay, Numbers chapter 13, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Now send some men to explore the land of Canaan, the promised land, which I'm giving to all my children, the, the Israelites. And it's important to note that it was God's idea to number the people, to assess the size of this congregation, this community, this who they are and what tribes they were from. And it was also God's idea to send out some spies into the promised land to go investigate to explore what this new land is like. Pick it up with me in verse 17 now of the same chapter. When Moses sent them, and he's talking about the 12 spies, one from each of the tribes of Israel were sent. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country 
see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? And then he gives them a list of questions. He's like, here's some, here's some things we need to know. Okay, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of towns are over there? Uh, what, are they unwalled? Are they fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile? Is it poor? Are the trees in it or, or not? Do your best to even bring back some of the fruit. I want to get a taste of it. I want to get a taste before we get in. Give me a taste of what we're about to go into. So Moses sends them, and he's humble enough to ask the questions to prepare him for something that he's never done. He's humble enough to, to ask the right questions to prepare him to receive something he has never received, a radical change in another dimension. Now, God does not want him to go into this land foolishly. He wants them to explore and to identify. And I was wondering, how, are, you, are you humble enough? Are you asking the right questions of the next season God is calling you into? Are you... Are you exploring where God is taking you and you're asking the right questions about what the need is ahead of you. Here's why that's important. Write this down somewhere. Never assume that what's next is like where you've been. You can never assume that what is next is like where you've been. See, some of you went into a new season still using the old strategies. Are you with me today, you guys? Some of you stepped into new seasons and you still use old strategies and it was incongruent and you were losing battles you were built to win. Never assume that what's next is like where you've been. Never assume that you can be married and still act single. Never, never assume that having a baby won't change the whole dynamics of the marriage. Never assume, like, every change of what's next affects everything that was. And so Moses knows this, and God knows this, so they need to explore, they need to ask some questions, we need to know what we're getting into, and what we have to offer, and what we have in assess, and what they have to offer, and what they have in assessment. And Moses knows this, and Moses knows that a big part of leadership is thinking. And he knows that you can't do good thinking with poor information. And so, side note, be careful who's feeding you the information. Okay, be careful who's feeding you the information. Moses knows that if I'm going to step into a new dimension, then it's going to take a shift in my leadership and the way I'm leading and who I am. And he's not new to this, right? He's been leading these people. He led the people from a, from a band of rebels who used to be slaves into a community of called people in the wilderness, and he had to lead them differently. Remember, those, remember the Jethro story? Remember that? He had to lead them. He couldn't lead them the same way. He couldn't be the one doing everything. So he had to set some things up and lead differently. And Moses knew that in order for us to go into and possess what God has prepared for us, then some things are going to have to change. I just don't know what the change is because I don't know what I don't know. You can't assume what's next is like where you've been. Okay, Numbers chapter 13, let's continue. Pick it up in verse 26. They came back, these 12 spies, they went into the land and they came back 40 days later. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, which I don't understand. It says, then they, they reported to them and the whole assembly. I don't understand this about Moses. He's a great leader. He's probably the best leader of all the Old Testament, an amazing man of God, very wise. But what I don't understand is why he would allow these men who were tasked with giving an assessment and a report of this land, why he would allow them to speak openly before the entire people without speaking to them himself first. 
And so, and so I understand this as a leader, and if you're a leader in here, you, you understand this, that you would want to meet with these people first and make sure that they are aligned in their information and in a vision and then in their assessment so that we can move forward as one people to where God has called us. But for some reason, he allows these 12 spies to openly speak in front of the whole assembly and himself. It says they reported to them in the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does, man. It is it's everything you said it was. It's flowing with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. It's amazing fruit. These big old gigantic fruit. It was like the fruit was amazing, like nothing they'd ever seen. And then they said, but. It's great. It's great and all, but. But. See, there is, it's, it's, what God has for us is all, so it's so good. I can see it, but it's not going to be easy. Are you hearing me, guys? I, I, it looks good, but, but it's, it's going to come with a price. I mean, it's, it's, it, it looks everything that you promise, but it ain't going to come without some battles that we're going to have to fight. But, 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 there's always going to be a but to your next dimension. There's always going to be a reason. Here it is, but the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. These are giants. Then Caleb, he stands up and he silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession. Somebody say, take possession. We should take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. So the nation, because of the way this information was disseminated, the nation is caught between two thoughts. They're caught between two thoughts. The people of Israel had this opportunity to receive the gift, but they got more focus on the giants that opposed them than the gift that God had given to them. And this happens to every one of us. I wonder who today is caught between two thoughts. One thought says, God will, God can, God is. Another thought said, you can't, you'll never, it's not. I wonder who today is caught between two thoughts and is one thought away from possessing what God has already prepared for you. See, there will always be a thought that God will bring you and God will deliver you. And there will always be a thought that the devil will not let you, and he will destroy you. Have you ever been caught between two thoughts? I think there are a lot of people here today that are just caught in the middle between two thoughts today, and you're one thought away from you stepping into what God has prepared, what you've been dreaming for, like the marriage you've dreamed for, the ministry, the business, the future that you've dreamed for. You are one thought away, caught between the two, but you are one thought away of stepping into what God has already prepared for you. So what happens when we get caught between two thoughts? What happens? Let me give you a few, a few notes here. Number one, how we get caught between? Well, number one, we let our mental self-image define us. We let our mental self-image define us. For most of us, our self-image goes way back to our childhood. Unfortunately, some or many of our beliefs are false. They're just wrong. We picked up some wrong stuff. Remember as a kid when you went into the fun house and, and you saw those mirrors that were like warped? And you look, and you look, you stood in front of the mirror, and it kind of made you all, it made you all short, it made you all long, it made you all chunky and stuff. You're, I'm not that. I, I think that here's like some of us grew up around negativity, and we let it define us. And today you have a distorted image of yourself. It's like looking in a funny mirror. It's not a reality. It's it's just you're looking through the lens of your mental self image of yourself. Numbers chapter 13 continues. Look what it says. But the men who had gone up with him said. We can't attack these people because they are stronger than we are. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. 
We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Time out real quick. They didn't have any conversation with these giants at all. This was, they were giving them a perspective of how the giants saw them. This was their mental self-image of who they were compared to what they were up against. How many times do we do that? We limit ourselves and minimize ourselves based upon what we are up against. You may want to write this down. You got to make sure you include all the facts in your mental report. Make sure you include all. And what I mean by all the facts is don't leave out. Sure, gather the facts, assess the situation, but don't you dare leave out what God has done. Don't leave out the miracles he has done, the goodness of God, what he's done for you and where he's brought you from, how he's provided. Don't leave out all the facts. See, Moses tells them, go and spy out the land, uh, but don't let them see you. Don't get caught. But they didn't get caught by their enemies. Check this out. They got caught by their insecurities. They got caught by a thought. Here was the thought. The thought was, we're not big enough. The thought was, we don't have enough. The thought was, we can't. They're bigger. And so now all of a sudden, they're not dominated by their enemies. They're dominated by their thoughts. Are you tracking with me, you guys? We're caught between these two thoughts. Did you know you can catch a thought? You can catch it. You can just, how about, did you know you can catch faith? Oh, yeah, you can catch some, catch some faith. You can catch fear. You can catch an attitude. Some people, they call you on the phone just from caller ID. You catch that attitude. Just from looking at it. Come on, just from looking at it. That attitude jumped on you, man. You caught that thing. Just from reading the name, you catch an attitude. How many of you, you can catch an idea. You can catch a vision. You can catch a dream. How many of you like this church? Anyone like this church here? Amen. Before there was ever a seat, there was a thought. Here, write it, write it down like this. You catch what you're close to. You catch what you're close to. So you're about to step into what God has prepared for you, but you caught a thought of your self-image because of what or who you're close to. Write it down like this. Number two, the reason why you get caught between two thoughts, we let the wrong people influence us. We're letting the wrong people have access. If you catch what you're close to, then you need to be close to the right people. Some of you need to pull out your contacts on your phone right now and start deleting some contacts, blocking some people. You need to start unfollowing some things and blocking some things because you wonder how you can be happy one moment and depressed the next, how you can be like on top of it and have peace and then all of a sudden angry and frustrated. It's, 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 you're catching what you're close to. It's the things that you're giving access. It's, you're getting caught between two thoughts because you got the wrong people too close to you. Come on, are you with me today, you guys? Amen. Numbers 13, 32. Here's what it says. And they spread these 10 spies that had a bad report. Two of them had a good report. The 10 spies, look what it says. They spread among the Israelites a what? A bad report. Negative news spreads fast, doesn't it? Huh? Isn't that crazy how the bad stuff spreads? It just spreads so much faster. But what I find very interesting is, like, you got to be careful where you get your reports from. You got to be careful where you get your news from, where you get your gossip from. Stop gossiping in general, okay? You just got to be careful where you're getting your information. It says, we, they, they spread this bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. 
All the people we saw there are a great size. So the whole nation caught the wrong thought and it made their faith weak. And they could have, like, God had given them the land and they could have had the land. In fact, the land was already theirs. It was already theirs. Because, like, the enemy cannot take anything that God has given you. It was already theirs. However, if he can attack your faith by weakening your faith immune system, come on, somebody, your faith immune system that is supposed to filter out the microscopic germs of discontent that will cause you to walk away from what God is calling you to walk into. See, he can't take it away from you, but if he can get you to doubt your faith, he can can get you to walk away from what God has already given you. If he can disrupt what you are seeing or what you are hearing, the way you are seeing it, the way you are hearing it, he can keep you from it. There are 10 spies telling a bad report. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, were told, had a different report, telling a good report. You know, they, they saw the same thing. Isn't that crazy? They saw the same things, all 12 spies. They went to the same place, saw the same stuff, ate the same fruit, came back the same time, left the same time. All of it was the same, but they interpreted it from different perspectives. They translated what they saw from a different spirit. Uh, do you ever feel like you're outnumbered in your thought life? Between those two thoughts, do you ever feel like there are more thoughts telling you you can't, you won't, you'll never than you can, you will, and God can and can't? Do you ever feel like you're a little bit outnumbered in your thought life? There was more, there was 10 of these spies came in and were telling people we can't, we'll never, and there were only two that said we can. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get outnumbered sometimes in my thought life. I I have a Caleb in my head going, yeah, you can. Go do it. God can. God will. Yes. And then, I have, and then I have these 10 other spies going, no, he won't. No, you can't. You're not supposed to. And you'll never. I mean, am I talking to anyone here that, that ever gets caught between two thoughts of, of what God can do and what he's calling you into and the bad report of you can't, you won't, you'll never And there's these two thoughts of like, okay, just stay in safety. Stay where you know. Stay where it's already comfortable. Don't go into the new. Don't trust God with new territory, with a new enemy, with a new level. But we let let the wrong people influence us. Here's why we get caught between two thoughts. Here's another reason. We let our past program us. We let our past program us. So these negative experiences we've had with relationships, people, churches, Bosses, women, men, whatever it is, you, you get that programming, those hurtful words that were said over you or spoke into you or the mistakes that you've even made, just those, that past programming. And for some of you, it goes all the way back to your family background. For some of you, you grew up in a home where you had an unpleasable parent. You could do nothing to please them or make them proud or make them happy. No matter what you did, it wasn't good enough. But your past has become your programming. It's become like your operating system and it's the reason why you're caught today between two thoughts look what it says in numbers 14 now it says that night all the members of the community they raised their voices and wept aloud all the israelites grumbled against moses and aaron and the whole assembly said to them if only we had died in egypt there they go again come on this is this is a pattern here right this is a pattern of getting pulled back to my past getting pulled back to my bondage, getting pulled back to my slavery. If only we died in Egypt or this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land? Only to let us fall by the sword. 
Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to bondage? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to what was familiar? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. See, the problem is, here's the problem. They didn't see themselves as children of God. They still saw themselves as slaves of Egypt. See, they saw, see, the, the reason why you have a gravitational pull to the past things that you've been delivered from is because although you're not there physically or you're not practicing, practicing it momentarily, you still, your identity never changed, although your placement did. So you're still thinking of yourself, not as a child of God, not as a community called out by faith as God's people, but you're still thinking of yourself for your mistake or your addiction or your past or your mistakes. And I, kinda, I feel really sorry for the Israelites. I do, because they're, they got the deck stacked against them because they were so many years in bondage and slavery. I'm talking about generational slavery and bondage that they were indoctrinated in. And then to have to shift from thinking like a slave to thinking like a son of God is a hard shift to make. It's a hard shift because it may seem for some of you like it's inauthentic for some of you to act like someone you have never been may seem like you're not being genuine or authentic because all I've ever known, pastor, is my slavery. All I've ever known is my addiction. All I've ever known is my bondage. And yet I need to find my identity in something different and deeper than my past, than my wounds, than my mistakes, than my resume. See, some of you are here today and you see yourself for your past and your mistakes. You see, you, you're, you see yourself, your identity has not shifted, although you're not there. And the reason why there's a gravitational pull to the things in your past is because you do, look, can I, let me say it like this. It's not inauthentic for you to act like someone that you have never been up to this point. It's not. And some of you, the reason why it's hard to make the shift is because, is because you got the wrong facts you're looking at. The facts that you're looking at is your resume, your past, and your mistakes. And you say, well, that's who I am. In order for you to walk into what God has called you to, you have to stop thinking of yourself from the circumstances, your past, or mistakes. You got to go deeper because your identity rests in your soul. Your identity is much deeper. And you need to think differently about yourself. You need to think differently. The reason why you're caught between two thoughts is because you haven't changed your thinking. Here's another reason we get caught between two thoughts. Y'all with me today? You getting something out of this, you guys? Okay, we let the devil accuse us. Write that down. We just let that devil rule and reign in our mind. We let his accusations fly and let him sit in our mind and, and ponder and wonder and meditate on the devil's accusation. Do you know there is a war raging around all around you? I don't know if you're aware of it, but there is a battle in your mind. Before there is ever, now there is a battle in the next level. God, God has another enemy for you. There is a next level enemy for where God is taking you. There is a next level battle. There is a next level that God is taking you. But before you ever get ready to fight the next level battle enemy, you got to win the battle in your mind. This is where the battle, the devil's number one target is your thoughts. He knows, he knows that if he can get you to believe his lies, he'll be able to control and manipulate your life. You know, the devil's a thief, right? He can take your promise. He can take it. Now, it's, it's God's promise, 
but he can take it from you if you believe him. He can take your promise. So what he wants to do is steal your thoughts. Look at John 10, 10, right? The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And we're battling between these two thoughts. You know what it is? You got a thief in your mind. You got a thief in your mind trying to steal what God has already promised you, trying to kill what God is, trying to destroy what God has established. I love Proverbs chapter six, verse 30 and 31. Look what it says. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he's starving. So he's just a thief. You know, that's what thieves do. A thief's a thief. But check out this next verse. Yet if he is caught, come on, somebody. Yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold. So listen to me. We came into this service today to catch a thief. Come on, somebody. We need to, to catch a thief and let him know, you got to give me my joy back. Hey, thief, you got to give me my promise back. Hey, thief, you got to give me my marriage back. Hey, thief, you got to give me my time back. Hey, thief, you got to give me my wisdom back. Hey, thief, you got to give me the joy of my salvation and pay back sevenfold. So how do you catch, how do you catch a thief that's in your mind, though? How do you catch a thief that lives in your thoughts? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this is why I don't understand Moses, right? Because here is the, a report that is setting itself up contradictory and against the promise and the knowledge of God, and he allows it to spread. You can't allow that to spread. You can't give these spies free rent in your mind anymore. He says, look, you got every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. you got to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So listen, you got to catch something new. Do you want to hear? Listen to me. God is for you. Can you catch this? Catch a new thought. God is for you. There is more for you than there are against you. Amen, somebody? you got to kick the 10 spies out of your head and listen to Caleb today. We can. We will. God can. God will. He is. I have. I am. Come on, somebody. You're stuck. With, I don't know what your one thought is, but I believe there's at least one for almost every one of you here today that you're stuck between. And maybe you didn't even know you were stuck battling between yes, I can and no, I can't. And yes, he will. And no, he won't. But you're stuck somewhere between two thoughts. And it's just one thought that you need to take, to take you where God is taking you, to get you to go where God is taking you. So look, write these down. If you want to possess the promise, here's the thing. Number one, you got to understand everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. So the things you're doing well and the things you're doing not so well, it began with a thought. They're fueled by thinking that happens first. So in other words, don't try to change your behavior. Change your thinking. And if you can change your thinking, your behavior will follow. But if you never really change your thinking and you only try to change your behavior, you'll never really change. Everything begins with a thought. So adultery doesn't start without a thought. Hate doesn't start without a thought. Greed doesn't start, or debt, how about that? Debt doesn't start without a thought. You have, so in, in, on the other hand, though, life change begins with a thought. With one thought. The growth and the new life that God has for you also begins with one thought, just a thought that you need to grab and believe in today. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to give you new thoughts. God wants to give you a new way of thinking, a new way of, of thinking about yourself, a new way of thinking about your future, a new way of thinking about him, a new way of thinking about your marriage, your ministry, your calling, a new way of thinking about your job. He wants to change you by changing the way you think. Everything begins with a thought. Number two, what we think determines how we believe. Do you realize that your mind can actually affect your faith? Your mind and your thoughts can affect how you feel and how you operate by faith. You will speak, act, and react as the person you think you are. So many people are blaming their spouse, their teacher, their neighbors, their bosses, their, their, the economy, all those things. Trust me. All those things are not making you feel and making you act a certain way. It's your thinking towards those things that are making you. Are you hearing me, you guys? Truth be known, everybody lives in the same situations. We all live through, are living in the same economy. We live through the same pandemic. We're, all of us are, have to pay the same gas price that everyone has to pay, yet some of you are freaking the heck out about it, and the others of us have peace that passes understanding. Is that okay if I just said that right now? Just, it's your thinking. And you think you're, like, like you're thinking about it determines how you believe, which is, I want to challenge you. Some of you need to take this challenge. For, for one month, Get off of social media. Okay, let me make it bite-sized for some of you, okay? One week. Okay, for some of you, just, let me just come on. One week. Just do it for one week without, without any of that because you wonder, again, like, like and some of you need the news. Some of you need to turn off the news, turn off some of that media stuff because that stuff is influencing your thinking more than you know, and it's affecting how you are believing and behaving more than you know. I'm telling you, if you just shut that stuff off, if you shut it off for a week, you're going to see a difference. At the end of that week, you're going to be believing different, feeling different because of the access you have prevented people to your life, okay? We, what we think determines how we believe. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. If you don't have this verse already memorized or have it somewhere in your home, you need it in your home. You need this. This is one of those verses that you just need in your life. You need to anchor yourself to some verses that are primary to identity in life. Look what it says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, this is what you are to think about. So check it out. If I were you, here's what I do. I take that list of what God says should dominate my thinking, and I would measure it against everything that I'm giving access in my mind. And if it doesn't meet the list, then it's getting kicked out of my mind. If that social media account does is not true and noble and right and pure and lovely, then you don't need to be following that account. If that news station is not true and noble and right and pure, if that show is, if those people are, you got to limit the access to your mind. Some of you are letting the 10 spies live rent free. And you're wondering why you're caught between two thoughts. He says, look, this is, this is the list. This is the only things that should be in your mind. Think about such things and then check this out. And the God of peace will be with you. See, the, the peace of God, you can have it, but it costs. It, is, it doesn't come easy. It comes with a price, and the price is managing your thoughts. 
managing the access to your mind. If you want the peace of God, he'll give it to you. It's, man, he, it's accessible. It's readily available to you. But you need to guard your thoughts and what you're allowing access to your mind. You all with me? What we think determines how we believe. Number three, our thoughts determine our destiny. Our thoughts determine our destiny. Not your education, not your status in life, not your how much you have, not who you know. Those are all important to some degree, but that's not what determines it. Our thoughts determine our destiny. Someone once said, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, reap a destiny. If you don't like where you're going, change your thoughts. Let me say it this way. If today, you are today where your thoughts have brought you. And you will be tomorrow where your thoughts have taken you. So if you don't like where you're going or where you are, then change what you're thinking about. Your thoughts, your thoughts determine your destiny. No longer can you blame it on the giants of the land. No longer can you blame it on the bondage of your past or what your parents did to you or what they said to you and how they hurt you. You need to start taking ownership of your own thoughts and your own destiny. If you want to change your destiny, you, your thoughts determine your destiny. Now, here's where it gets real in the Israelites' journey. There's been a lot of grace. There's been a lot of mercy. But here's where we see God, the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say. Numbers chapter 14. It says this in verse 26. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do the very thing I heard you say. When you were caught between those two thoughts and you said, that, like, God says, I'm, I'm going to give it to you now then. I'm going to do the very things I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census, and it was grumbled against me. Here's what God said. According to your faith, it'll be done unto you. You had little faith, I'm going to give you what, you what you believed for. If you would have just had great faith, I, I was ready to already give you the land that I prepared for you. But because you had little faith, I'm going to give you what you believed for. And you believed for your demise, and I'm going to give you your demise. Not one of them will enter the land, I swore, with uplifted hand and make your to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land. So the spies went into the land for 40 days, he said, one year for every day you explored the land. You will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me, God, against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which was banded together against me. They will meet their end in the wilderness. Here they will die. Now, no one says amen to that verse, you know. This is the, and this is written for our, for our help and benefit, you guys, that we would learn. What happens when you get caught between two thoughts so much? That those thoughts that you're thinking are actually shaping your destiny. If you see yourself as a loser, by and large, you're going to end up acting like a loser. 
If you see yourself as a victim, you're going to tend to let people victimize you. On the other hand, if you see yourself as a child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, set free, an overcomer, fully healed, protected by angels, first and not last, above and not beneath, you're going to walk in the direction of your thoughts. This isn't just like positive thinking message, you guys. This is, this is real. This is, this is real stuff that God wants you to change your thoughts before you enter into what God has prepared for you. You got you to gotta win the battle in your mind. Let me show it to you in Romans chapter 8. Let me show it to you. Romans chapter 8, 5 through 6 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, here's what happens. They, they're thinking about those things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's going to continue to be death and destruction. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, you're going to have life and you're going to have peace. Okay, so if you want to possess the promise and you're stuck between two thoughts, let me give you this final point and a few extra thoughts here. Number four, you need to know you can choose a different thought. Did you know that you don't have to allow every thought to take root in your life? Did you know you can actually choose the thoughts that you approve and God approves and his word approves? Did you know you, can, you have a choice to make when thoughts come into your mind and into your life? And you can choose. You are not subject to your mind. You are not subject to your thoughts. You are not superior to your mind or inferior to your mind or thoughts. It is subject to you. You don't go with whatever you're thinking. You can bring those into your subjection. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, we see this in Caleb. God says, but my servant Caleb has a different spirit. See, he had a, he had a different thought. He had a different perspective. He had a different spirit and follows me, he says, wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. See, some of you, what you, you just need the one thought, just one different thought. You need to choose it, a different thought, a different perspective, a different spirit. And I'm telling you, if you choose it today and stop getting stuck between the two, you choose this thought, you're going to go into work differently, and they're going to say, what's different about you? This week, you're going to go into work, and they're going to go, what's different about you? And you're going to go, I just remembered who my God was. I just remember what he said. I remember who he, what he told me. I remember what he did. I remember God's goodness. And I remembered, like Pastor Todd said at night of worship, I remember God's got this. He's got it. He's got me. And he's working out good for my life. You can choose. When you do that, you shift your mind. I'm telling you, the scales in your mind tip in God's favor. They tip when you remind yourself and you choose your thoughts. Hebrews chapter 3. It says like this, talking about these, the New Testament now, referring to these Israelites. It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Who were they who heard and rebelled? So they heard it, but they didn't believe it. They heard it, but they didn't act on what they heard. They didn't act on what they heard. They didn't act on what God said. They didn't act on what they knew. They heard it, but they rebelled. How many times do we do that? How many times do we get caught right there? I heard it, but I didn't do it. I got stuck. I got stuck. I got caught between two thoughts. I heard it, but I rebelled against what I knew. Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? See, we see, so we see 
that they were not able to enter. Look what he says. Because of their unbelief. See, the author of Hebrews here tells us that when we're caught between two thoughts, it's a belief problem. Who are you believing? So let me kind of like give you a question that we're going to meditate on for a moment and allow God to do some heart work in our life. Here's the question. Where is unbelief preventing you from receiving what God has already prepared for you? Where are you caught between two thoughts? Where are you caught between what you heard, what you saw, what you know, what you do, and how you progress, and how you move? Where, where, where is unbelief limiting what God wants to do in your life and through your life? Because he's already prepared it for you, but you're caught. You're caught between he can, he will, I am. He is, and he can, and I'm not, and I'm never. It's one thought. I believe for many of you, one thought. You're one thought away from stepping into a whole new dimension, from stepping into what you've been dreaming for, the marriage you've been dreaming for, the, the job you've been dreaming for, the you you've been dreaming for. You're one thought away from stepping into it. How many of you believe me today? Are you with me? Amen, somebody? 